Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 43 of For Your Eyes O-Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Cherokee Sentai O-Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. I do... Matt, does the script say Super Sentai Buddies? Is this... Oh, did you do a thing with Mark? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I will change that sometimes, but I only half read the script when I'm doing it. So, uh, yeah, I, I would hope at this point you're not really, really tied down to that one. Hey, man, listen, sometimes, sometimes it is a challenge to remember all of the words. Um, but no, yes, it does say the Super Sentai Buddies, but that's not what we're doing today, Dave. I mean, we are buddies. Um, yeah, no, we are. Yes, definitely. That is totally true. Uh, uh, but also brothers. And that's what that's what we're doing today. As aforementioned, episode 43 of Cherokee Sentai Ranger, uh, it is called The Trump Card is Seven Changes, uh, which is a weird title for a TV show. Yeah, it is. Um, this falls into the rare category of, of the title doesn't seem to really be connected to anything at all in the... Like, there's like a real... I'm assuming that this uh, is some sort of pun in Japanese because otherwise like they make like one super oblique reference uh and and otherwise like this this title makes no sense to me yeah it's very often the title will either like make perfect sense or be a complete lie uh this is neither of those uh but we're just gonna have to roll with that Dave uh but we will get to that once we get to the actual episode but before we get to the episode Dave of course um shining in the heavens there are five stars what is our first Star of the Week. So our first Star of the Week, Matt, is this upcoming weekend is homecoming for our school. And okay. like the high school at which I teach. And uh, as is my custom, I won't be engaging with it at all. Sounds like a good call. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, there's always a call for like, hey, staff, like if you could come chaperone the dance on Friday night. But nobody ever sends out another email that says, this is how much we will pay you to chaperone the dance. So right. really what they're asking is, hey, do you want to spend four hours at a high school dance like for kicks? And the answer to that is no, no, right. I do not. Like, have you been really looking forward to going to the high school dance all year? I know you're 35, but maybe you're into it anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Actually, when you put it like that, definitely nobody should be chaperoning. <laughs> that makes it sound very bad. Right. If you're uh, not getting paid to go to the high school dance and you're not in high school, then it's weird. Then it's definitely weird. So <laughs> it's been like spirit week all week. And kids are getting, like, super, like, torqued up about, it's like the homecoming dance, right? And, oh, uh, sure. like, I tell kids, I try not to be, like, too much of a spoil sport for high school kids. But, man, like, they're getting, like, real jacked about this thing. And it's all I can do to just say, like, guys, guys, it does not matter. Like, it doesn't matter at all. Like, if you want to go... Go. Sure, like, have go. a good time. Absolutely. Like, definitely go and have a good time. But, like, you're investing this with a lot of meaning. 
And it's just not there. I was talking to some kids. And I'm like, man, you know the last time I thought about like a high school dance? I can tell you when the last time it was. It was this time last year when I was telling another group of kids to really, they did not need to care about their high school <laughs> dance. I mean, yeah, again, like if that's what you're into, go for it. But like, oh, yeah. high, high schoolers... High schoolers have this thing where they impart meaning to, like, every single part of their life because nothing that has happened in their life so far actually has meaning yet. So they're just, like, attaching meaning to everything and hoping that it sticks at some point. Yeah, well, like, and eventually it does. Like, there are a handful of things that you'll do in your life that, like, really mean something. But, like, guys, I promise... Like, getting down in your new dress for, like, four hours on a Friday afternoon at the age of 15, it's just not one of them. Like, it's just not. If you're listening to this podcast as a 15-year-old, like, let me give you the gift of that freedom. You won't listen to me. Like, let me just say, I've given advice to a lot of high schoolers, and this is what I've learned. I'm giving them advice for my sake. Right. And for, like, my own, like, low-key comedic value later... And also for them, so that in like six years, and I say this, I'm like, listen, in, you're not going to listen to me, but in six years, you're going to remember this conversation and you're going to be like, oh man, Mr. J was really right. And then maybe you'll listen to some of the other advice that I've given you and like that won't be too late. There's like a buffer of advice you have to get through. Sure, of course. As a high school kid. So yeah, so uh, that's the homecoming story is... I did. I didn't go to homecoming. Yeah, uh, man, it's it's crazy how much uh, I think a high schooler's experience could be improved with like just a dash of like nihilism. Like, yeah, like, like not, not too much. Lot. Like not a lot. You don't want to go too deep into that. Yeah, but you can a... like you can drink too deeply from that well real real easily. Oh, so especially deeply, so quickly. Like especially as a high school student. But if you, you just, just like. Want, like a sousson so of just, nihilism. Just sprinkle it on. Like, add yeah. to taste, you know? It's like a dusting. That's how much you need. Uh, right. So, man, <laughs> what is our... And let me just say, by the way, I did go to dances in high school and had sure. a very good time. Like, they were fun. But, um, you know, that's all they were. So, Matt, what is our second star of the week? Dave, second star of the week is that uh, my hair was getting a little shaggy. So, I decided that it was time to call up uh, the haircutting place that I go to to make an appointment with the woman who cuts my hair. Um, mm-hmm. I, now you know this person from something else, right? I know her from a previous place where she cut hair. Uh, I followed her to this job from her previous place because like, she does a good job with my hair. And I only get my hair cut like every like two months or so. Like it's, I'm not one of those people who get the haircut all the time. Um, and so when I do get it cut, I like to have, you know, I like to have somebody that I know and trust to do it. So once I found somebody who I decided like, yes, this is a person who does a good job with my hair. I'm just going to go to her forever. Like I just locked myself in. So like when she left her previous place, I followed her. You just found out where she was going and then made. Well, she like, she had sent out like a text message. Like, hey. Oh, no way. Yeah, nope, t- that's a great idea. Yeah, like, to the people who were her regulars, like, she sent out a message like, hey, I'm leaving. If you want to follow me, like, this is where you can make an appointment. So, on... So you did that. Yeah, so I did that. And that was a couple of years ago. Maybe a year and a half ago. So, I needed a new haircut. And so, I called the place up and I said, hey, I need to make an appointment with such and such a person. And the person on the other end of the line says, oh, 
they don't work here anymore. And I said... And you said, <laughs> oh, no. Well, what I said was, oh, okay, um, well, hmm. Well, maybe I'll call you back in a minute. And then I hung up. And then I said, oh, no, what am I going to do? <laughs> no, wait, I mean, like, do you have this person's contact information? Well, so she had texted me before, right? Um, like, when she had moved But, like, up, years ago. I, yeah, but I didn't, like, like, that text is still in my phone somewhere. But I didn't, like, set her as a contact that I could look up. And so I just spent, like, an hour scrolling through my old texts trying to find her number and I couldn't do it and I was getting like kind of not like panicky but just wondering like oh my gosh like am I gonna have to like start from scratch and try to find a new hair person um and then I remembered Dave that I know someone else who gets their hair cut by the same person oh okay so you've got a hair person network at this point Right, so I texted that person, and I was like, hey, do you have our, like, hair cutter's number? And they said yes, and so I, like, found out the new place she was working. I called there. I texted, like, my hairdresser's number. Like, hey, I don't know if you, like, remember giving me your contact information, (laughs) but I'm texting you now because, like, good lord, I need a haircut, and I cannot go to anybody else. Or at least not without some sort of recommendation. Like, please help me. What, what, where, where are you? Did you leave the state? Please tell me you didn't. Uh, and it turns out that she did not. She's just like in a part of town that is like not very far away from where I am. Uh, so no, I see, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just like set up an appointment for the next week and I went in and it was great. Um, there, there wasn't like a huge scoop or anything. There wasn't like any hot gosses as to why she left. It was just very panicky for me for an afternoon. <laughs> no listen we are uh, i think we are on record as being big advocates of having people for things yeah so uh listen if you have found a person for a thing yeah don't don't give just, up on that precious gift yeah they just don't give up man you gotta yes definitely anyways anyway dave what is our third star of the week so matt our third star of the week this is a, a very short life pro tip. Um, okay. Yeah. Now, it's... And let me be clear. This is something I actually consider a life pro tip. Because I feel like 95% of the life pro tip... Like, quote, unquote, life pro tips that you see are things that are, like, just simply very obviously good ideas. Like, right, like hey... Don't, don't forget to drink water and get to bed at a reasonable time. Right. Like, that's not a life pro tip. Life that's hacks. just life. Right. That's not a... Yeah. Like, a life pro tip needs to be something that, like, is a very, very good idea and I maybe would have never thought of before and is, like, a small, subtle thing that will definitely make your life better. Like, that's a life pro tip. So here's the new life pro tip, Matt. Okay. First of all, th- this this life pro tip assumes that you uh, drink cream in your coffee. Sure. Which if you're if you don't, like, what are you even doing with your life? Um, just skip ahead for a minute, you know. Yeah, just don't I guess just skip star. ahead for a minute, but also drink cream in your coffee. It's so much better. I mean, that depends like, on the I coffee, know. honestly. But yeah, okay. Now listen, I know if you're like a real coffee, coffee, coffee person, that like the cream dilutes the flavor or something um i'm i'm not that guy i like cream in my coffee also can i say uh if you drink almond milk in your coffee first of all if you just like the flavor of almond like 
rock it out. Like, I like almond milk. I don't drink it instead of milk. I just like almond milk. But if you're putting almond milk in your coffee, it doesn't do the same thing as creamer. Like, it changes the color of it. Like, that's what almond milk does for your coffee. It just makes it, like, visibly lighter. But there's no fat in it. Like, there's chemical things that you need the fat for. It's not happening. Uh, anyways, that's not, none of this is the life pro tip. I'm just, like, talking about almond milk. So here's the life pro tip. If you put half and half in your coffee or heavy cream, which is what I do, mm-hmm. don't stir it. Okay? Don't stir it into the coffee. Like, just pour it in, and it's going to sort of, like, float on. Like, some of it's going to mix in, but some of it's going to float on top. And so the first, like, five or six drinks of this coffee are going to be this, like, really wonderful, creamy sort of coffee. And then, like, as you are getting down into the cup, the coffee itself is getting a little bit stronger. And so you're sort of easing yourself into this also is good if you're drinking your coffee like very early in the morning, which is what I do. You're sort of like easing yourself into this experience. Um, okay, no, I just Dave, discovered I this a few days ago inadvertently, and it's excellent. And then I told my wife, and she said, oh, yeah. And I said, wait, have you known this this whole time? And she said, well, I just kind of thought everybody knew that. They said, No. No, that's not a thing that I knew, uh, which I guess I can forgive her for. But uh, yeah, that life pro tip, like don't stir the cream into your coffee. Uh, here's, here's another life pro tip. Do the exact opposite, uh, which is what I do, which is I put the cream in first and then I pour the coffee on top. Um, which is, I think, better because... Okay, now, well, dig into this experience for me, Matt, because, like, I've I've just discovered this new thing, and, like, I'm pretty gung-ho about it, so... Uh, Listen, that sounds delightful, but it sounds delightful in a way that is dissimilar from how I like to drink my coffee, which is that, Ah, um, like, A, I just like to have, like, a uniform... Like, if I'm just drinking a cup of coffee, like, I like to have a uniform experience with it. If I'm Mm -hmm. doing something, like, Mm -hmm. a little fancier, that's different. Um, but the, the thing about pouring the coffee into the cream as opposed to pouring the cream into the coffee, and it's the same way if you're doing tea, like if you put milk in your tea, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is that when you pour the hot liquid into the cold liquid, then the cold liquid warms up more gradually. But when you pour the cold liquid into the hot liquid, then the cold wi- liquid is shocked to the heat of the hot liquid. Which means that if you pour cold cream into hot coffee, that is where you will have the possibility of the cream curdling. Um, and you get like the little like curdly bits on top. Whereas if you do it the other yeah, yeah, way yeah. with an even pour, um, you avoid that entirely. And you get to have it all mixed into your drink all at the beginning without having to either dirty a spoon or waste a coffee stir. Oh, Okay. That also sounds like a very good idea. I think I'm going to stick with my thing for now, but uh, but I will try that in the future. All right. What, Matt, is our fourth weird... I feel like we're digging... Listen, I think we're doing good work here. Let me just say that before I say the thing I'm about sure. to say. I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying this conversation with you, my brother. Uh, I do feel like we are digging pretty deep on like very very mundane things to talk about (laughs) for the star like star one i didn't go do a thing star two you cut your hair star three cream in your coffee 
So um, sure. what's star four, Matt? Did Dave you star- drink water today and <laughs> breathe oxygen? I don't know. Uh, I, Dave, the four star today is that I went for a nice long walk and came back and drank a refreshing cla- can of seltzer water. No, hey, no, you know I mean, what? I, I did do that, but that's not the star. Uh, I mean, I we can, we can talk about it. I went to the store and I bought some decorative gourds and some Indian corn. Uh, but that that is oh. not the star, Dave. Um, I also have decorative gourds on my kitchen table. Yeah, man. I got a little chilly and I wanted to be happy about that, so I bought gourds. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, yep, yep. The fourth, the fourth star. Today, God, falls the best. Fourth star is balloon animals. Love balloon animals. Yeah. Now, uh, listener, you may or may not know this, but Dave and I both, uh, in our sort of high school days. Uh, learned to juggle and make balloon animals. Mm-hmm. This is not something that comes up in daily life too often. Like, if you know how to play the guitar, then, like, maybe you're in a band. Or, like, maybe you just noodle around with the guitar in your apartment. But, like... I was going to say, like, guitars exist animals, in the world. Right. If you know how to make balloon animals, there are like there are people in my life who have no idea that I know how to make balloon animals, even though I have known how to make balloon animals much longer than I've known those people. But mm-hmm. I was yeah. at the I was out at the bar the other day, and I was sitting outside on the back patio. This was before it got chilly out, um, uh-huh. and a guy rolled through with a backpack full of like a bag of balloons and a balloon pump, and was like, "Hey, do you guys want balloon animals?" And I was like, "I don't want you to make them, but give me some balloons, and I will make some balloon animals." Because I got very excited to show off my stupid balloon skills. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, is like, this guy doing this for like tips? Is he selling them? Like, what's he? He was accepting tips, but he was not like saying, "Give me a dollar, and I will give you a balloon." Right. Okay. Gotcha. Um, he he was very uh, sort of inviting and cool about the fact that not everybody wanted to pay him for these balloons, um, and so like I was just like he was making like you know giant hats and stuff for people, and I was like sitting at this table like fiddling with a balloon like no 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 like that's you don't want to do the flashy thing here. Let me show you how to make a parrot. <laughs> like it, it's got a couple of involved steps, but it's not that tough. And also, if you're doing a sword, you've got to put a tulip twist in the hilt. And I was talking to all of the other people around me, and none of those people cared, because it's balloon animals. And it's fun, <laughs> but it's not like this sort of thing that like a group of people is going to be like, oh my gosh, Matt, Like I never knew you had this hidden talent. It was like maybe 10 seconds of like, oh, do you know how to do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. And then they went back to their conversation while I was like trying to remember like how long to leave the various segments to really get a satisfying snail. It's uh, it's a surprisingly long chunk. Like you really yeah. need, yeah, it's a little bit weird. Also, uh, I push the snail a lot and I feel like nobody ever wants it, even though snail is... Like, very obviously the best balloon animal. It's adorable. Snail is very good. I also like making the ram, although that one is always a little tricky. Oh, yeah. The horns are a real pain uh, because you've got, like, a bunch of really tiny little twists. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sure that our listeners have the exact same feeling that the people sitting at the table did, which was like, okay, I get it. You're talking about balloon animals. Will you please move on? And we will. Um, That's all. I just wanted to tell you about that afternoon uh, but it was very fun <laughs> and it reminded so, me how much i liked making balloon animals i do listen um it's a lot of fun also 
like the internet is real good for this because I was actually doing balloon animals a little while ago for like a little street fair thing like in our neighborhood. And I was like, I'll do balloon animals. That'll be fun. And so I was doing it and I was like looking up some stuff later just to kind of refresh. And um, I did not know how mediocre I was at balloon animals. Like I thought I was oh, actually oh, like dude. pretty decent. And the answer is no. I'm like very mediocre. Right. Like you are we are not beginners. Oh yeah, like no, I know how to do balloon animals. Like it is a thing that I can do, but like people get buck wild with these. And let me just say, when I say buck wild, I don't mean like the dude who built like an Iron Man suit out of balloons or like the whole like bag end out of balloons. That is impressive in the sense that, like, it took a million years to do. But that guy's not actually doing anything particularly interesting as far as, like, balloon uh, artistry. Does that make sense? Like, he's got a ton of balloons, and it took a really long time. But, like, it's all just, like, very basic stuff. But if you look up balloon animals, um, like I said, people get nutty. It's very, very impressive. I love it. Uh, anyways, Matt, what is our fifth star of the week? Dave, uh, our first star of the week is that I was sitting at my desk at work the other day, and for mm -hmm. some reason, and I don't remember why, it for some reason it popped into my head that it has it had maybe been I don't know, fifteen, eighteen years since the last time I had played Scorched Earth, the mother of all games. I uh, now it's I know been a long time since I played it, although I do think about it like. I don't know, not all the time, but it's not infrequent. It's never that far from my mind. Uh, now, uh, listeners, if you are not in your 30s or 40s or above, you will not remember Scorched Earth, the mother of all games, I suspect. But it was a game, uh, if you were familiar with the Worms games, uh, Scorched Earth was sort of the prototype of that. It was like very early 90s. It was a DOS game. It was like a tank combat thing. We had different weapons and that sort of stuff. It's not super complicated, but, like, looking at a picture of it now or, like, seeing it played, like, immediately teleports me back in time in a way that very mm -hmm. few other things do. Like, even old Nintendo games, I think, don't transport me that strongly because I have continued to play those Nintendo games. Right, but, like, Scorched Earth, like, I played it a whole lot for a very, for a period of time and then kind of stopped. So, yeah. So, uh, all of this is to say is that I found a website that not only, like, has a in-browser emulator for Scorched Earth, the mother of all games, but it also just has, like, a huge repository of other DOS games. Uh, this website is called Classic Reload, and it just has, like, dozens, maybe hundreds of old DOS games. Uh, let me just tell you some that I have looked up that I know are on here. I know we got our quests for glory. Uh, mm -hmm. Multiple quests for glory. Uh, we got Scorched Earth, the mother of all games. We've got a handful of Commander Keens. We have Duke Nukem 2. You got Halloween Harry. If you remember Halloween wow, Harry. You might have known really? it as uh, Jetpack Harry. But I think it was more classically known as Halloween Harry. But it was the same game. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, there's just like a ton of old stuff on this thing. Um, and, like, a lot of old DOS games might not be fun if you didn't play them in the early 90s. 
But, like, there is something very specific about an old DOS game that I find really delightful. And, like, some of these, I had not even... Not only had I not seen them, I had not thought about them in decades. Uh, There is a game in here called Ken's Labyrinth, which I only ever played the first, like, half hour of on a shareware, like, CD-ROM that our grandfather had. And I found the game to be confusing and, and unplayable, but... I do. There was one bit of that game that has stuck with me forever, which is that when you tried to use an item in a place where that item was not supposed to be used, there would be a guy's voice who would just say, save it for later. And every time I ever hear the words, save it for later, I think about being in Ken's Labyrinth and trying to throw a red ball at something and not being allowed to. So if you want to relive Dude. that sort of weird, weird specific experience, uh, ClassicReload.com. A lot of good stuff. Ooh, ooh, wait, Matt, before we finish, do they have uh, Skull? Do they have Skull on that game? Or on that site? Uh, yes. Skull. Oh, I, I know what you were thinking of. You were thinking of the game Skullduggery. I had trouble oh, finding that yes. game for years because I kept looking for it as Skull. Because I think that's what, like, I think when you went to start the game you had to like run the file skull.exe and so i always assumed that the game was named skull it's called skullduggery and i actually don't see it on here but no kidding that's a bummer that game was super creepy yeah skullduggery was one of those um how do you describe it it was it's sort of like a zork like a yeah, you're like wandering around on a map that's made out of ASCII characters, and um, I could never figure out anything to do. Like, I would just wander around and then and then like get eaten by a Gru, effectively. Yeah, um, it was the the writing in that game was both creepy and evocative, but it's not in here. But I think I have seen it in other websites like this. If you were to poke around for it. Um, anyway, yeah, I'm sure it's around someplace. It's, Anyways, it does. Ha- it has a game called Skull Quest. It has another game called Skull Quest Two: The Vortex. But I've never played any of those games. Um, anyway, speaking of things that I have done, I've already watched this episode of Sentai Dave. But we're going to take a break, and when we get back, we are going to watch the Trump Card is Seven Changes. It was written by Shouzao Urahara. I'm probably mispronouncing that in three different ways. Uh, But if you want to watch it with us, you can uh, get it on the DVDs or you can watch it on ShoutFactory.tv. And we will be right back. Okay, welcome back to this sort of episode that I wish we would have gotten a lot more of this season. Yeah, I mean, anytime we're not getting this kind of episode... Okay, there's two really good versions of the Sentai episode, right? right. I mean, not just like, in this, this season, but like across the board, Sentai is at its best when it's either this, which or, is buck wild, yeah, or when it is like a lot of Jetman was, like really, like legitimately emotionally connecting and like making you care about the characters and the stories. Yeah, and we have gotten. Uh, I mean, I feel like we've gotten some of that in Jetman, but a lot of. Not as much of it as I would have liked. Um, yeah, but they are like, coming through in spades, I think, coming in near the end here. Like, these yeah. couple episodes have been really, really cool. Yeah, like, man, Jetman was so good with the emotional stuff. And also had a lot of the goofy stuff in it. But, like, the emotional stuff is, like, really where Jetman was strong. Mm-hmm. And Cocker Ranger, 
had some emotional stuff, but really it's like off the wall weirdo episodes were like genuinely amazing. Yeah. Die, Die Ranger, I think, was a great balance between those two. Yeah, I totally agree. There was yeah. like there was a ton of stuff with like Shoji and um with Ryo. Like it's yeah. Oh, if, if you didn't the last we're gonna mention Shoji this episode, you are wrong. You're very wrong. Um but this O Ranger, I feel like, has had some of each, but there's also been a good number of episodes where it had neither. Yeah, well like it was fun, and maybe we got some stuff, but it wasn't just oh, kind of sure. like a, a I mean, blown away episode. Yeah, um, like there's always this, something, right? But this episode is really, really good. Uh, well, so let's just let's just get into it. Um, I mean, it is in its way the third part of a trilogy. Yeah, kind which, which of. I didn't realize until like halfway through the episode. Okay, well let's let's just get into this. So the episode starts, we see some, like, high school, like a high school girls track team is, is what I assume they are. And they're jogging along saying, like, fight, fight, fight. You know, it's like they're, they're a sports, uh, sports ladies. And they pass by and sort of around this older woman. I mean, like, like she's not old. She's, I don't know, man, like, late 30s, yeah. something like that. And, but she's got, like, a bunch of groceries and she's sort of having trouble carrying them. And what is clearly a bar machine in disguise compliments her. Oh, this yeah. Like, I, I have it in my notes that this is the sort of character who you could tell from a mile away is going to harass a strange woman on the street. Mm-hmm. So he's got... Okay, so he's got a fedora, and he's he's got, like, a very wide belt and checkered pants... And, like, a tank top, and then he's wearing, like, a sport jacket kind of over his shoulders. Is that? And yes. Oh, and flip-flops. And he's wearing flip-flops for some reason. So, but he compliments her. He's like, lady, I just, you really seem really dedicated to your family. That's very cool of you. Great job. But, hey, real quick. But, hey. Uh, do, you, um, do you hate the idea of happiness? Which is a weird thing to say to Which anyone. Which is a weird thing to Especially to, a stranger. Uh-huh. But it does get her attention, so I guess it's a good cold open. And she turns around and he says, listen, wouldn't you love to be, like, young again? And she's immediately interested. So she kind of rushes over and he says, he's like, listen, this crystal ball, I've got it. And it's a crystal ball of, like, wishing truth or something. It, it's of youth, specifically. Of youth, yeah. And it will make you young again. And so she's real excited for a second. And then she turns away. And she's like, no, this like this is ridiculous. Right. Like, this is obviously a scam. Like, this, that's not how the universe works. You're clearly lying to me. And then the dude says, uh, well, hey, don't walk away. Women's happiness is in their youth and beauty. Which is a terrible thing. I mean, he, I guess he is a villain. So, yes. okay. Yeah, do not take and, your lessons from this man. This yeah. monster man from space. <laughs> uh, but that is enough. That's enough. She's like, oh, okay, fine. Like, how much is it? And he says, 500 yen. And you will note, uh, this is not the only time that the Baranoia Empire has sold a like magical trinket to someone for 500 yen. Like, when they were selling the beckoning dog that was also 500 yen, I think that that is just, like, the standard going rate for Baranoia curses. 
Maybe I don't know how much five hundred. That's like five bucks, right? Well, okay. You, I've told you the story before about how when I was living in France and I went to the deli to go get meat, I would just always ask for two hundred grams because that was a yeah. number that I could remember how to say. Uh huh. I think it might be like that. Like they just never really learned the conversion for currency. And so, like, I don't know. Here's the thing I read. 500 yen. Yeah, sure. Five, 500 yen. That sounds like a good... Yeah. So, he says 500 yen. She says, you know what? Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll go for it. So, she gets home. And she's, like, she's kind of excited. She's, like, she puts all of her stuff down. And she says, oh, man, I remember when I was like a schoolgirl, and she goes and she pulls out this a photo album of herself in high school, and she's like, those were the days. Lady, let me tell you, as a dude who regularly interacts with high schoolers, I would rather die a thousand deaths than go yeah. back to high school. That, that is one of the crazy things, is like, man, you could go back to your youth, and she does not think, cool, I would like to be, I don't know, 25. She thinks, man, 14 sounds great. Like, that was the jam. So, she, she like, flips the thing on. <laughs> and, and there's there's voice instruction. Like, it glows. Clearly robotic voice instructions. Yeah, and it just says, here's what you do. Clap your hands. Put it down. Clap your hands three times. And then pray for your wish. And it works. Well, kind of. It, it certainly does something. It certainly does something. So here's what happens. Her kid gets home. And he is greeted by this very adult woman. But she is dressed like a schoolgirl. Yes. And she does not. She does not, first of all, seem to register that she is very clearly in like an adult body. And also does not recognize her son. Yes, which is very traumatizing for this child. Oh, yeah. He's very, very bothered. Although although he does fairly well with it for a reason I think we'll understand a little bit later. Yeah. I think you and I maybe came to this conclusion at the same time, about halfway yeah. through the episode. Uh, but we yeah, will get I th- there. I'll tell you when I, when I realized it. So her kid is chasing her, but uh, she kind of gets away from him. Just I don't know. She's like got adult legs. Whatever. The point is she's not there. And he runs into the O-Rangers, who he knows, because like all children know the O-Rangers, apparently. Of course. Um, so they sort of pull up. It's, it's Goro. And he's like, hey, Yutaka, Yutaka, right? Yeah, Yutaka. He says, hey, Yutaka, like, what's going on? He's like, man, I don't even know. My mom was dressed as a little girl, and she did not recognize me. Like, I have no idea what's going on. And now I can't even find her. And then the rest of the Rangers are there. Yeah. Uh, like, they show up at this point. Yeah, and also, um, what was his name? Yutaka? I did not write it down. Uh, Yutaka, yeah. Yutaka's sister is also there. Right. And he's like, hey, have you seen mom? The weirdest thing is happening. And she says, no, I don't. And then all of them, uh, the rangers and these two siblings, overhear this same, like, sleazeball, like, trinket salesman sort of in a courtyard next to him selling junk to a small crowd. He has some yeah. stuff, like, laid out on a blanket. So he says, like, I've got these crystal balls, and they are very good for, like, any number of things. And I didn't quite follow his pattern. because, Like, it just didn't seem to make sense. But I do know that he very definitely mentioned the prophet of Islam 
in his sales pitch somewhere. Yeah, he also said something about becoming a monk. I don't know what he was talking about. I thought about rewinding it, and then I decided, you know what? Like, that's fine. I don't need to get more info on this. Yeah, it was very, but it was very, very strange. But he sees the Rangers kind of over his shoulder and says, like, oh, no, like, we're, we're done. Like, I gotta, I gotta go. Which is, like, about the most suspicious thing you can do, right? Like, oh, if you're sure. doing something bad and you see the cops, don't immediately, immediately, abruptly stop whatever you're doing and try and walk away. Like, right. it's guaranteed. It's guaranteed to make someone follow you. Especially but that's exactly if they're the does. superhero cops. Right. <laughs> right. So he's, but like the crowd sort of is disappointed and they leave. And yeah. the Rangers kind of stroll over and they notice something. They're trying to figure out what's going on. They're like, well, I don't know. Like the dude seemed to leave. It was a little bit weird, but whatever. And then I think it's Momo looks down and she sees that there are like crazy, they're like really deep footprints yeah, they're in like, the like sandy in, courtyard that they're standing in. Yeah, they're sunk like a couple of inches in. And she's like, wait a second. And they're square. Yeah, so she, she says. Like these footprints are way too deep. That is way too heavy to be a real person. It must be a mon- like a ro- giant robot in disguise. Yeah, which I is really... crazy because that means that it's actually just like a visit, like a visual disguise, and he hasn't transformed into something smaller and lighter. Like he is actually carrying all of that weight in his like weird scummy human body. Yeah, it was a very weird... Okay, well, we will find out in a minute that this dude does have, like, hypnotic powers, so we could dig the idea that he's just masterminding everybody. Mastermind like the X-Men villain, not like the board game that's like a codebreaker thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although I do like that board game very much. It's a fun game. But it... That does... Like, it leaves as many questions unanswered as it does answered. And here's... I don't actually think that is the case. And I'm going to explain why in a second. So they follow him, and they're like, hey, like, you're clearly a monster. And he's like, ah, you got me. And then he sort of kicks his foot, and he, like, throws his sandal at the rangers. And they dodge it, but it hits a wall, like a cinder block wall, and knocks it over. Like, knocks a big hole in it. So I think what has happened is that he is not actually carrying around all his giant machine weight in his human-transformed body, I think he is wearing, like, weighted sandals is the idea. Oh, Because as be. soon as he... Yeah, because as soon as he kicks them off, he immediately does, like, a super high flip kick thing, like, over the Rangers. Oh, yeah. This guy's flips and kicks are extremely good. Well, okay, so then we get something that I don't feel like we get enough of, is just a straight person-on-person martial arts fight. Yeah, Goro rolls rolls up on this dude and starts to try to fight him. And this guy, who we will soon discover is Barra Fraud. Yeah. Uh, Barra Fraud is just, like, doing flips and, like, very cool uh, kicks. I don't know how to really describe it, but... uh, It just turns out that Barra Fraud is a really good martial artist. Like, good enough that he is not... He does not seem to be relying on, like a lot of, like, his weird paranoia powers. Like, he just seems to be fighting Goro, and it's going pretty well. Um, But he does then transform, and I... Okay, this is the one thing that's a little bit weird for me about this this episode. I do not get this dude's look 
at all. Like, I have no idea what they're going for. Yeah, I mean, the the one element that sort of carries over is that when he's in his human form, he's got this fedora on because he's a scumball. Um, and then when he transforms into Barra Fraud, he has, like, a robot fedora on. Yeah. But the rest of his look seems very much just like a sort of a hodgepodge of ideas of what a robot might look like. And not like a robot man, like definitely like a weird robot monster where the head and torso are just like one big lump, you know? Yeah, okay, well I'm looking at the, I actually went and I'm looking at the uh, concept art, and it looks like his head is supposed to, like his head and chest, he's just got like a giant, a giant head. And then the rest of him is just kind of, I don't know, man, just kind of machiney in general. Like, he doesn't have a real, he doesn't have a cohesive theme, it doesn't seem like. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of the one thing about this episode that isn't excellent, because the rest of this episode is excellent. Yeah, so he launches, like, he's got, like, a, a thing on his forehead, and he launches this, like, spherical energy attack at the Rangers. And I think he, it's... Who does he get? He gets Goro, Momo, and... Yuji. Sh- Yuji, sorry. Yeah. And he, he like, cap... Like, the energy coalesces around them into crystal balls. And then he pills out a crystal ball. And they're, like, trying to get out. And Goro uses his King Smasher from the inside. It doesn't work. Actually, what's really cool is that he's using the King Smasher from the inside. But it's, like, reflecting around the interior of this crystal ball that he's stuck in. Oh, that's right. Uh, and and then, so then Barafrod has this fourth crystal ball and he's using it as sort of like a remote control. Yeah, that's aff- a good way to say it. To like affect various things that are happening in the other three. So like he flips them upside down and he puts them in like an energy tornado and then there's fire everywhere and they cannot get out. Yeah. So uh, things are going very, very badly for our heroes. But just as it's about to kind of be the end, he, uh, Shohei and Juri show up. Yeah. And they, like, blast the crystal ball that's in his hand, and that destroys the ones that the other rangers are trapped in. So they get down, uh, and they, like, go to attack him, but Barafrod has already run away. Yeah. So... Um, it was a very fun fight. The sort of thing that is, like, cool in a way that we don't often get to see in this season... Where, like, the monster, when he's doing a fight, isn't just fighting. He's got, like, tricks... You know, like he doesn't quite send people to another dimension, but it's very close. Yeah, uh, he does. It's a, it is. It's a really cool fight. He's a very cool monster. Yeah. So, the next thing we see in Matt is this where you is this yeah. where you noticed? So we head back yeah. to the house where like the mother and the son and the daughter were before, and we see the father has arrived home, and we immediately recognize this father as a character we have seen in two other episodes, and then. Who this family is really starts to sink in for me. So who this family is, Matt, it's the same family. It, they've been in like two other episodes. Yeah, they were in the it episode in, um, with the uh, the monster that would like cover everything in mold to destroy all the oh, food in the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like he was super hungry and he ate all the time. And then and the more he ate, he would shoot out like mold dust and like destroy everybody else's food yes and And so the plan there was to just like starve out earth i think yeah 
The, and then the, he was also in with... Um, well, yeah, the, the family was also in the other episode with Barra Fawcett. The guy that's who, what it was, yeah. Like, he turned into liquid metal, and he also installed faucets in people's houses that put out, like, green-colored, like, diet water that did something. Yeah, and then the plan there, I think, is that everyone was going to become super hung. A lot of food stuff has happened to these people. Yeah. So, he shows up. And it's the dad, ultimately, that I recognized. Yes, me too. And then once I recognized him, I realized, oh, gosh, of course, like, I've oh, seen these yeah, people before. Oh, yeah, of course, this is, this is the same family. So, but the crystal ball is, like, still active in the house. So I guess all that has to happen is that you have to turn it on, like, one time, and then kind of anybody who gets in the radius is getting, is getting rege- regressed. Right, because we know this because the dad walks out and he is dressed as like a schoolboy, and then the mom shows up and she's trying to get back. And I don't know what these adult children think their school schedule is because they're just kind of like coming and going to school at like random times. Yeah, uh, and then, then we get <laughs> we go into I the think house. Maybe my favorite episode. No, no, no. We get maybe my favorite moment of this entire episode, which is the lady who is an adult is like trying to get past him. Uh, p- get past the rangers into her house and she calls Yuji an old man and he gets real salty about it. Yes. Because Yuji is like probably the youngest of the O-Rangers. Maybe Mobo is, but like yeah. he's maybe like 21. So they they get inside the house and Yutaka, I think, finds his older sister and she has been regressed to like baby age? Yeah. So it's not really clear do you have to like wish for this or does it just like knock off a number of years? So I think, And if so, how many? Okay, so we are going to discover that this crystal ball thing, it's not specifically for de-aging. It is just like a general hypnosis machine that like zaps you with whatever wish you put into it. So I think that since the mother wished to be younger... Oh, it's like like that is what is locked into the machine. So everyone who gets near it gets zapped and acts as though they are younger than they am. Oh, they are that, okay. That so the parents be. the parents get regressed to school age, but like the daughter obviously is younger, so she gets regressed about as far as she can into like baby mind. Yes. So the kid Yutaka obviously flips out about this. Yeah, he's not having and- a great day. Right, and then Goro comes in, and he sees that, and he's like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe this is happening. And then we hear Yuji still yelling about being called old, kind of in the background. (laughs) And then Goro, I think it's, no, 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 I think it's Yuji, actually, just turns the switch off on the crystal ball. Yeah, like there's a big obvious, like, knob on it, and he just turns it off. And then everyone is like, oh, gosh, why am I dressed this way? This is weird. Now, it doesn't seem to affect... What's weird is that it did affect the dad. It did affect the sister. Kind of just, it seems like, as soon as they got in radius. But the rangers were okay. I guess we just have to assume that they're, like, strong... Strong-willed? Yeah, they are of strong will. And we have seen the boy a few in these other episodes. And we know that he is of a stronger will than the rest of his family. Yes. Because he has always managed to, like avoid getting sucked into whatever craziness has happened. And, okay, thinking about the fact that this is the same family, the fact that that woman bought the crystal ball was even, like, more wild to me. More insane. But it does um, explain to me a little bit 
why Yutaka was like relatively cool and like level-headed about this whole thing happening just because you're just like, well, I've been at this point, the list of people who did that it was going to happen to his family a third time. Yeah. And the, like, okay, here is the list of people who have fought Baranoia monsters in order of like how many they've fought the Rangers slash the chief Ricky, this kid. And then maybe Doran. <laughs> and then maybe Doran. So, and as far as like direct conflict goes, I think this kid beats out Doran. Oh, yeah. I mean, Doran is sworn to peace, but. um. Yeah, okay, that's a very good point. <laughs> but he, this kid has definitely helped the Rangers three times, and I'm pretty sure that's at least a tie with Doran. Yeah, so they turn the crystal ball off. Everybody's back to normal. Great. You know, good job, everybody. So we go back to the base, and they've got the crystal ball, and the chief is there, and he's sort of examining it. And he says, okay, here's the deal. So we're back at the base, and the chief has got the crystal ball. He's sort of examining it. And he says, okay, here's the deal. This same thing emits uh, hypnotic rays that make you forget about reality. Yes, this apparently, like, wow. this, Jeez, is, that's... This, this is a dream of all humanity. All people yeah. have a secret hidden desire to just escape reality, and that is what Baranoia is preying on, which yeah. is a grim view of reality. Uh, you know, it or is, humanity, and uh, as a dude who just got back from a LARP weekend last weekend, I feel kind of personally attacked, Chief, <laughs> so... So why don't you take your opinions and shove them? Okay, Uh, so so (laughs) the chief says, listen, I know what we can do to deal with this. I have some equipment for you. And he pulls out a series of briefcases. Now, if you will recall to our previous episode, when the the power bracers were dropped by the O-Rangers and then later returned to them near the end of the episode, they were in basically this exact same briefcase. And he has a pile of these briefcases that he's passing out. And so I think, oh yeah, new powerful gear, it's time. And you know, I think that from the look on their face, I think the Rangers think that too. You're wrong and they're wrong. I, but ultimately because, I'm not disappointed. Yeah, no. So, <laughs> so the, the next thing we see... The chief has just dug into his disguise trunk and come up with a couple of fun outfits. So, <laughs> so the next thing we see is uh, Yuji and Juri. And they are sitting at the waterside, I think actually where they where we first saw uh, Bara Fraud. Yes. And they are just dressed in like a matching sweaters and they've yeah. got glasses on they just look sort of like a plain happy suburban couple and they are like having a nice picnic by the waterside and you know they're like pulling sandwiches out of a basket and they look up because they see uh like we sort of like see the camera from behind as uh this person approaches them they see someone in like a like a pink kimono approaching and Yuji is shocked. 
Because what we discover is that this is uh, Shohei in disguise as like a... It's not like a full geisha outfit. Um, it's more like... You remember the episode where uh, Momo was like going back to the past? And like she was wearing like the kimono with like the wooden platform slippers? Whatever those are called? Yeah. You know the ones. It's that outfit, yeah. basically, it's with that, a wig. Yes. And like some lipstick on. And Shohei is like, guys, come on. Like, stop gawking at me. You're supposed to be, like, you know, looking around to see whether or not the, uh, like, Barra Fraud is going to, like, come out and accost me and try to sell me something. Because I think that's yeah. what's happening, is that he is posing as a middle-aged woman so that Barra Fraud will try to sell him a crystal ball. Right? Oh, yeah, no, I did not think of that, but you were definitely right. I just assumed they were all kind of there just scoping the place. But yeah, that definitely makes sense. It also puts the next one into perspective because Momo is dressed up as an old man street peddler also selling crystal balls. Yeah, she's got like a bald cap on and like a fake mustache and like really fake glasses. And she is trying to sell children crystal balls, but Momo is not nearly the salesman that Barra Fraud is. So these yeah. children are super uninterested. So he's kind of bored. Uh, and then Bullet Shoji, the warrior of love, arrives. Yeah. So Goro rolls up, and he's basically wearing the outfit that Shoji wore in um, Farewell the Three Stooges. Like with the big white trench coat. And like the high waisted pants on the motorcycle with the sunglasses. Except yeah, that like now, it's not actually the same outfit, but it's very much an inspiration. Uh, did you see, by the way, Dave, that on his motorcycle? Because it's not his Jetman motorcycle. It's just like it's just a motorcycle. It's just a motorcycle, but it has a decal over like what the actual brand of the motorcycle is, and it just says Scorpion. I did not notice that. Uh, that's very very cool. Yeah. Oh, Goro also has frosted tips. Yes. So I love many things about this. The first is that I am going to assume that Goro actually got frosted tips for this episode, which is fantastic. The other thing I love about this, I can only assume that they have Shohei dress up as the woman because Jory and Momo are both very young and pretty. And so it wouldn't like it wouldn't work. So they just had to get Shohei, which like he's a handsome dude, but he does not make an attractive lady. Yeah. Whereas Yuji, even Yuji couldn't do it, honestly. Yuji would, like, be fine as, like, a young lady. Yeah, like, they needed to get Shohei to do it. Now, what I don't quite understand is why Goro is, like, a rad motorcycle boy and Momo is dressed up as an old man. It would have made much more sense. My only conjecture is that they looked at the two costumes. Like, they worked backwards. They're like, well, Shohei has to be the old lady. And, like, Juri and uh, Yuji and Juri, you guys can be, like, a young couple. There's only two costumes left. And Goro just looked at them and just claimed motorcycle guy. Right. Because Goro... As, as captain. Man, Goro looks like he is not... Maybe the actor, maybe the character, looks like he is having so much fun in this episode. Yeah, he's having a very, very good time. Like, he is super into his costume. This is what I like about this episode, is that so often in this show, everyone is just wearing a jumpsuit, and, like, they do good facial acting, but, man, something about getting them out of those jumpsuits always makes for a great episode. Like, every single time they're not in those jumpsuits... 
the quality of the episode goes up by at least 15%, especially when one of them is dressed up like Shohei in the best episode of Die Ranger. Well, one of. Yeah. So... <laughs> okay, so... They so, go back to... Well, no, no, wait, no, wait. We're, we're, not, we're not done with this scene yet. There's something I want to mention. Momo, oh, yeah, do. Momo walks over to Goro, and she takes off her terrible bald, bald cap, and she says, listen, she, like, Captain, this just isn't working. He's not showing up. Um, and Goro is like, well, you need to keep trying. Like, loosely places the bald cap back on her head, but, like, her hair has totally fallen out, right? So now he, she just has, like, a bald cap on top of her visible hair that is down. He pushes up his mirrored sunglasses, shouts, rock on, and rides his motorcycle away. <laughs> it is amazing. So, listen, he did not claim that motorcycle costume because he didn't want it. Yeah. So we go back to the house, and the family, like, they're sitting down to eat dinner, and they're sort of like, man, we have just got, like, terrible luck. Ha, ha, ha. And they're apologizing to the son. Oh, that's right. And they're like, we've just got terrible luck. We must have, like, the worst luck in Japan. And then Barra Fraud just kind of walks in the door and says, you've actually got the worst luck in the whole world. (laughs) (laughs) And they get up to try and, like, yell at him. And he just pulls out another crystal ball and, like, kind of menaces them with it. And then they seem compelled to activate it again. Yeah, he says, like, your hearts are so weak, you're just going to do this anyway. Yeah. They do it and are immediately zapped with the hypno race. Um, yeah. Now they are. He is going to say later, although I'll mention it now because it makes sense that this is like a new and improved version of the hypno ball. So yeah. presumably, you know that that's kind of why that works. So we see Goro now standing by the side of the road with his motorcycle, and that same troop of like high school jogging girls jogs by. And then the last one stops and turns to Goro. And it turns out it is not, in fact, a high school girl. It is, in fact, Ricky. Yes, Ricky is in on the costume party. Uh, I, just... I love this because Ricky never does anything with the team, right? He's always just off on his own. There's so much in this episode that I have been missing for this whole season. And it really makes me happy. Yeah, it is really great. I do sort of wonder why they didn't just have Momo do that one. Hey, man, listen. They they had a series of costumes. They figured out who fit in each one best, and they just ran with it. Maybe Momo, okay, maybe so, Momo's cardio wasn't that good, and they're like, listen, Ricky, you've got to be the one to go with the jogging girls. And also, so, like, he is a fair degree younger than her. That's true. He is. He's like 14 or something. So we go back to the family and their house, and the dad has been hypnotized to be like a, a kung fu action hero. He has nunchucks. And the little sister is, he does have nunchucks. Uh, the little sister is like a rock and roll girl. And then the mom is just. Like a fancy a, lady? Like a fancy lady? Yeah. She's having Yutaka shine her shoes while she like does her nails or something. So Yutaka does, he's doing that. And then he notices that there's like a can of. Like an aerosol can of something. I think I, it's I don't really... bug spray, like insecticide. Yeah, maybe. So 
he walks up with the spray can and he walks into the bathroom and Barra Fraud is just chilling out in his human form, uh, having a bath. Still wearing his hat. Yep, still still wearing that hat. Uh, Yutaka sprays him with the bug spray, which just doesn't do anything because he's a robot man. Right, but I mean, okay, to be fair... He doesn't know that he's a robot man because he's never... I mean, he could probably guess, but he hasn't seen him in his robot form. So he just rolls in and is going to, like, burn out this man's eyes with a can of Raid. Um, The the way they do... Okay, that's a good point. Not knowing that that dude is a robot, that's a pretty stone-cold move on Yutaka's part. Um, The way they do this, the the camera shot they do, is that they just sort of, like, put a clear lens... I mean, all camera lenses are clear, but they put a clear covering over the camera and they do like a point of view shot where he walks in and like sprays the spray all over like the lens of the camera it's i don't know it's just a fun trick yeah so... <laughs> okay so it doesn't do anything no. he just like barfry just kind of gets up or he grabs the spray can and crushes it and then tosses it over his shoulder and he just kind of walks out and he's like yeah that's not that's not going to work. Uh, Yutanka runs away. We get another shot of the family just like wrecking their own house, like knocking holes in the walls. There's a great shot of the dad just like come kicking and flying through a clearly styrofoam plank wall. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's just sort of doing, you know, the Bruce Lee a scream maybe is the wrong word. But like that real pitched high ah that, yeah. that Bruce Lee does, he the dad is just doing that like twenty four seven, just like over and over and over again as he is destroying his house with with his bare hands. Yeah, uh, the the son tries to stop them all, and they turn on him and like push him on the ground and start laughing at him and pointing, and like they kind of start moving toward him in a menacing way, and he just like gets up and runs out of the house, and he runs like across the street into the park. And kind of, like, just falls over and starts crying. Because, I mean, he is a small boy, and this is a bad day. Yeah, so he runs into Goro. Goro's like, hey, little buddy, like, what's wrong? Yutaka's like, well, my whole family is hypnotized, and now they're punching holes in the wall. There, There is a moment where Goro has to introduce himself because he is still in costume. Oh, that's I forgot about that. Um, so Goro's sort of, like, holding this kid and, like, comforting him. And he sees in his like mind's eye, I guess, a future in which all the parents of Earth have been hypnotized to be children again and like nobody is taking care of actual children and like the world is falling apart. Yeah. So we go from there to the moon and it's just, I think they just needed to remind us that Empress Hysteria, or uh, sorry, Empress Multiwa and Kaiser Bull don't exist yeah, because otherwise they are not because in they're not episode. in this episode at all, aside from this scene. And they're like, "Man, bonds between human and children, like human uh, children and their parents, not that big of a deal." And Empress Multiboss is like, "Oh, Kaiser Bulldog, you're so great." And he's like, "Yes, I am." End of interlude. Right back to the episode. So, so we go back to the episode, and Barra Fraud walks into the house where like mom and dad and sister are all hypnotized, and he says, "Hmm, interesting to see that you're as stupid as you ever were." Well, I'm going to go take a bath. do 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 So he walks down the hallway, and then we get my second favorite, maybe my actual favorite moment in this episode, which is Yutaka is in the bath. Mm-hmm. 
And he turns around with like a, a washcloth on his head and he just says, I think you've gotten overconfident, old man. And Barbara <laughs> Frantz is like, what? And then we go back to the family and they all take off their wigs and it's the Rangers in disguise. Yes, because like when he was when Barafrod was walking in before, all three of their backs were turned to him because they were like, you know, like kicking the wall or playing the guitar or something. And yeah. so they turn around and it's the it's what is it? It's Goro and Yuji and uh, Jury. I Jury. Think. So. Like. Fights on, man. So they hench in. Like, they sort of, like, knock... They teleport out of the house, all of them, to a place where they can actually fight. They also teleport and, out of these costumes and are now just in their jumpsuits again. Yeah, sure. It's fine. So, um, Barra Fraud has a flamethrower belt buckle, so that's very cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Ricky runs up in his schoolgirl outfit, and then he's in and uh, he henshins, and now everybody's henshin and everybody's fighting. So, this big fight... And then the fight goes pretty quick. The fight at the beginning yeah. of the episode is a lot cooler. Like they hit him real quick with King Victory Flash and the Ole Bazooka. He grows. They bring the blocker robos. Um, they're like, "Oh, there's a crystal ball on his forehead. Break it!" And then they do that, and then yeah. the fight is kind of over. Yeah, like he goes down, and then he goes oh, giant. Tackle boys come in. Well, the, the tackle boys about to be there, like. He goes giant, and they summon the Black Robos, and then they summon Tackle Boy. The thing that's kind of thrown me off about Tackle Boy is that his size seems to be incredibly variable. Oh, sure. And also the distance between he... Okay, so you know how the way that it works is that he is a giant ball, or a giant wheel, and yeah, he he's is... a giant tire. He is bold, like, you know, rolled towards the enemy, and then he jumps out of that, like, rolling action into a tackle, turns into a fireball, and hits him. That animation always makes it look like he is very far away from the monster when the thing starts. But then when the camera cuts back to how far away O-Blocker is from the monster, it's like one city block. There was no room for this to happen. Yeah. So... But it's worth it because Tackle Boy is great. Yeah, Tackle Boy rules. Um, so then that's the end of Barafraud. Like, he just explodes. We go back to the family home. And the... The parents and kid are in the kids are in there, and they're all wearing like gray sweatsuits and like head protection gear. And the dad is telling them to be like really quiet and really careful. I think the because the house is a wreck, and I think the idea is like literally any noise or disturbance is going to bring this house down around our ears. Yes, and they are trying to like collect some things to get out of like to rescue from the house before it falls down. Yeah, and so they do, the, and they put together like bindle sticks. Yup, and then the dad saves his the, a bindle stick. If you're not up on like hobo slang, like my brother apparently is, I think everyone knows what a bindle stick is, Dave. I like I knew what you meant by context clues, but if you had said, "Hey, what is a bindle stick?" I would not have been able to answer you. A bindle stick is like a ho- like a hobo's walking stick that's like over their shoulder and all their stuff is tied up in a handkerchief that's hanging from the end of that stick obviously so <laughs> they all they all leave uh as they are leaving the dad tries to grab like one last thing and that one last thing is like propping up a corner of the wall and so when I think he it's a golf club and so when he grabs it just like the whole house kind of collapses they all run out they barely escape being like horribly crushed to death yeah, so then they are um, just 
wandering the streets, homeless? Yeah, they're just walking down the street. And O-Rangers run into them and like, hey guys. And the family is all smiles. They're like, oh, hey man, what's going on with you? What's up, Rangers? Good to see you. And the Rangers are like, man, so your house got destroyed. What are you going to do? And they say, well, I guess we'll just start over from square one. Ha 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 ha. And they all laugh. And then the Rangers say, sounds good. And then they laugh. Bye. And then the episode is over. Yep, they just wave goodbye to this now destitute family. It's a very strange end to this episode. It's a really weird episode. Like, I'm very... Why doesn't the episode end with, like, the Rangers putting the last, like, finishing touches on a replacement house? Yeah, see, this is why... That also would have been fine. This is why all good X-Men stories have a follow-up issue where they're rebuilding the mansion. Because otherwise, your house gets destroyed and then you just live in the woods. Dude... Uh, okay, so that is the end of that episode, Matt, but it's not the end of our episode. No, Dave, because now we need to determine where Barra Fraud lands in the Creature Royale. Okay, so... And I so, think he's pretty good. First of all, I very, very much like his plan. Uh, I think he's got a really great idea. I like the fact that he is a martial artist with, like, heavy sandals. Um... His look is kind of dumb, I also I'm like, going to say. Yeah, but he, do, he does have the cool crystal ball magic, and that's good. Not just like the He'd, crystal ball magic that hypnotizes people, but like the ones that he trapped people in in the fight. Yeah, so that is very cool. Uh, you know, like as far as a final fight goes, it's not much of one. Um, so I feel like mostly he's in on the strength of his like very cool plan. Right, and also like, you know, as we were saying last week, if the monster is a character, like, with dialogue and a personality, he's going to go yeah, a lot always... higher on this list. And this guy definitely has that. Yeah, so, that's always... That's huge for me. So where are the other two uh, machine beasts from the episodes with this family? We got Barra Fawcett and Barra... Barra Fawcett is 56, and Barra Hungry is 63. Okay, so they're actually pretty close to each other. Do we think uh, that he goes in that same sort of zone or above? I don't think he I goes do below. Feel like he's, I do feel like he's in that same zone. I, okay, do remember that Bara Hungry was defeated by his love of festivals. That's true. And his inability to not dance. And that's amazing. Yeah. Bara Fawcett was like a shape-changing liquid Robot? Yeah, he was also... He was the guy from the movie, but we never saw the movie. So that was a little confusing, but it was good. So I... Like, I really dig both of those guys. Uh, Just above them are, like, Barakaka, Barahaker, and Karis the Zookeeper. And then we're up into the top 50 spaces with, like, Kame Itachi the Sickle Weasel, uh, Bakuki the Illusionist, Light Armadillo... Barra brain, Barra darts. Okay, I, I don't think he goes up there. I, I, I don't. Yeah, think, no, I think you're right. I don't think he goes above Karis the zookeeper. No, I, I definitely don't think he does. Uh, now Barra, uh, Barra hacker hid inside of computers, and then he jumped out, and then he did get startled by like a bad 3D rendering of O Red. Uh, and so that was very good. Yeah. Well, okay. So actually, Matt, uh, just below Barra hacker and above Barra Fawcett is Barra Kaka. Who is the 
like time travel themed illusionist that fought with Momo. Oh, the one with like the Napoleon costume who yeah, was yeah, made yeah. to that, feel it, bad about not being a gentleman. Yes, that is the one. And I actually I think they're they're pretty similar yeah, uh, I mean, in their way. They both have they both spend a lot of the episode in a human form. Uh they both have a strong personality and a weird plan with like a supernatural like dimension shifting element to it. Although I guess this one wasn't so much dimension shifting. Um, yeah, but it's the same it's the same sort of vibe. Uh I man is tough. I think I would probably put him above Barra Fawcett, but below Barakaka. Yeah, and, and and again, listen, a lot of that comes down to my aforementioned uh, love of any monster with an, with an extra dimension hanging out. Um, yeah. I, I am comfortable with that. I am comfortable putting him at number our new number 56, uh, Barra Fraud. And that, Dave... That is going to do it for another episode of Free Your Eyes O-Ranger. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out the things that we're talking about on Twitter, we are at supersentibros. If you like the show, please remember, shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you find the show. That is going to help other people find the show, and that is cool. Um... The Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. If you would like to listen to any of the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows, you can do that all at RetrogradeOrbitRadio.com or wherever you find your podcasts. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on Earth.